Hi everyone and welcome back to the True Crime Friday podcast. It's my week, it's Lauren's week, so let's get on with the disclaimer. I do want to mention before we go into this case, I was not aware until towards the end of writing the last of my notes, literally about an hour ago, that Oscar Pistorius has been released today. As of recording, he has been released. I was not aware about this until literally an hour ago, Uh, so the timing is just weird. But in this episode there will be mentions of gun violence, abusive relationships, and murder that some people may find upsetting and or disturbing, and if that is the case this may not be the episode for you. And we do have some more light-hearted ones if you want to go check those out, because believe it we do. They might be a bit further back, but they're there. But on with the episode. Evening. Good evening. Why is that? There was silence. There was a little bit of silence there. Oh no. But evening. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Hello. How was your New Year's? Happy New Year, everyone. Oh, yeah. It's 2024. I didn't even realise. No, I did realise. I don't know why I said that. Um, yeah, we're not... Well, everything's good so far. Yeah, I've not had a blimp yet. I've not had a mental breakdown yet. This time last year, <laughs> I'd had about three by now. So uh, when you said you hadn't had you hadn't had a blimp, I was about to say, "What were you planning on planning on buying a fucking huge ass blimp?" Fuck me. I've just not had a mental breakdown yet. I list uh, this now time. I know. This time last year, I had quite a few by this point. So um, weird, weird indeed. But I've not had my first night out of 2024 yet. That's tomorrow for my friend's birthday. So we'll see what happens then. Hopefully, Mine is on I don't. Sunday. Oh fuck, Jesus. I've got one tomorrow and then I've got one next Saturday as well because it's but I've got weirdly enough I am I have like three people in my life who have birthdays at the start of January, which is really shitty for them. It's like Jacob had his my friend Adam has his has the same birthday as Jacob's. But so we're going sell we went out for a meal on Wednesday, went to Ben Brazil. If anyone in Manchester or Liverpool, because they have a location in Liverpool, knows what Ben Brazil is. It's basically all you can eat eat steak and meat. Like you pay a set price and they just come round with like skewers of meat and just go, Do you wanna try this? Do you want this? Do you want this? You want some meat. So we did we did that. It was nice, but it's it's the birthday night out tomorrow. Um, Jacob's on holiday, so he will not be joining. Uh, but next week, it's I'm seeing Bring Me Bring Me the Horizon and Bad Omens well, next Saturday. That's interesting you say that because just before we came on, I had to listen to their latest song. Kool Aid. Kool Aid. Yeah, like- I just thought why because a lot of people a lot of people were sharing it just with one word, yes, it's, and I was like, okay, I like I like it. I'm very happy. I get to see them next Saturday. With, uh, do you like Kool-Aid? Uh, uh, what, the drink? Do you like drinking the Kool-Aid? Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Never drank Kool-Aid. Wink. Uh, the, next <laughs> Saturday, I see Bring Me the Horizon and Bad Omens. 
and then we're going to go out afterwards because it's my friend. Oh, 2024 it's... seems like a good start for yeah, you. Yeah, because it's my friend. It's my flatmate's birthday as well next week, so we're doing a night out after the gig. She's also going to the gig, so it makes sense. So yeah. first, we'll see what happens. I've not had a mental breakdown yet, but you know, you know, we'll see. I got a pay rise at work though, so I have had a good start to the year. Yeah, it's always weird at the start of the year though, because there's always the thought of like this is the first thing. If things go right, of what? yeah. If things go right for me, I kind of just go, mm, something don't feel right. <laughs> well, like, yeah, it's but it's always like the well. first few days, kind of, yeah, kind of figure out what's kind of happening, or sure. you know, it's the first thing, or the first time I should say you do something of this year, and then. Etc. Etc. But if it's gone all right so far, you know every year is going to be somewhat of a roller coaster. But if it starts off good, hopefully you can keep that. But you never know. You have to have somewhat of a positive mindset. And if as long as the New Year's was okay, which it was fine for me at least when I did go out and I saw a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I'll see how the first night out goes. But everything's fine so far. Nothing I can really complain about. New Year was good. For me, yeah, nice. We had a little how little get together at my flat. Uh, played some games, listened to some music. I made some cocktails, and I don't know why my friends have not learnt this yet. But if I'm making the cocktails, they are going to be lethal. Uh, it's always ah. it's always been a thing. I make lethal cocktails, and it's everyone knows I do. So when I when I was like, right, I've made a hurricane, which is just basically rum and orange juice and all this kind of stuff in a massive skull cocktail thing and then made like a sex on the beach cocktail because we've had we've had people leave like from previous house parties bottles of vodka and i don't i don't we don't really drink vodka so we're like right let's just use it up so we just made a sex on the beach cocktail in a, in a fishbowl and people really forget that I make really lethal cocktails because my flatmate who does not get hangovers had a hangover from my cocktails and I'm not gonna lie I am very impressed with myself <laughs> I um, that they were strong but if I'm making them then you need to understand I guess this happen. is a lesson I don't drink but I guess this is a lesson you've heard it here anyone uh, or listeners, if you ever are in the vicinity of Lauren and she says I'm going to make cocktails, they will be. You had your pre. You had your pre warning. They uh, they will be strong, and they will get you drunk very quickly. Uh, but then again, if you're wanting to, I don't know. If you if you kind of just wanting to get drunk really quick, then that's a good idea. But I'd always recommend having a non-alcoholic drink with my cocktails because, like, when I was drinking them. I was drink I was drinking a can of Monster at the same time, so I was actually okay. I wasn't even I wasn't drunk. I got a little tipsy, but that was kind of it. Went to bed and then I woke up and I was like, I feel fine. I feel great. This is actually all right. This is pretty good. Started the new year very well. Now the case that we're going to be talking about today involves someone else who is having a good start to 2024. Well, here's the thing. Because I didn't fucking realize this until an hour ago and I was like well my timing is just perfect you have the first case of 2024 and I had the last one of 2023 yes. so I don't know if there's any mounted pressure or anything but 
So I thought I should mention. Oh, I was going to mention this now because I didn't mention it on the last time we had the episode. Um, just as of recent news, Gypsy Rose is out she of is. prison. She we is. have covered the episode. I thought I'd at least mention that because we did cover that case. She is out um, doing so much stuff on social media and with her husband. So that's some updated news, which is good. Some good news. Exactly. Yep. She's out of prison. She's seemingly loving life. Now, the case that is ha- that we are going to talk about today, like I just said, my timing is just perfect, clearly. I didn't know the update on this case until an hour ago, and the update came out today. So I did, I was just like, wow, I have picked the perfect time for this, but I don't have time to go and research a different case, so looks like we're sticking with this one. Today we're going to be talking about Oscar Pistorius, who today has just been Uh-oh. released from prison. <laughs> oh my! He's just oh, been... I, I totally forgot about him. He's just been released from prison and I only found out an hour ago and I was like, my fucking timing is just brilliant, isn't it? Yo, I completely forgot about him altogether. Yeah, so I did as well, and then Jacob said, I've got an episode recommendation. And he said Oscar Pistorius. I was like, oh shit, forgot about him. Because that's one of the few kind of cases I actually remember on the telly Mm. happening, and also on TV it being joked about and everything. But I I totally forgot. But like I've said previously, there's many areas of true crime where I don't you don't necessarily think about that. And we have done it before, I guess, with OJ. But in my mind, I never think of sports and then think, oh, yeah, true crime in sports. And then, obviously, you know, you've mentioned him now. And I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. So this will be interesting because I don't know much about... I know who Oscar Pistorius, Oscar Pistorius is. I only know a slight bit about this case. So you're probably going to fill in the gap and probably jog some memory. But I'm intrigued for this. I think... Yeah, this is a good one to start off um, the year. I'm I'm going to kick back and be very interested by this. Yeah, so the reason... So, yeah, like I said, Jacob recommend, my boyfriend Jacob recommended this episode um, be, for a very interesting reason. So, Jacob's met Oscar Pistorius. Uh, did he, Was that someone in the UK that he met him? A sporting event, I'm assuming. Yes, he yeah, it was at a sporting event, and he met Oscar Pistorius. Because what kind of sporting event was that then? Would have been, I don't know. He just would have been watching a sporting event, and I guess he just would have met him at some point. But he met him when he was when he was younger. Like, I don't know how old Jacob said he was, but it, obviously he must have been like really, really early teens at least. But uh, yeah. It's like my cat is trying to climb all over my desk, and I'm just like, no. Did you get a photo with him, or was it like at the time where? I'll have to double check with him. He might have one somewhere. So yeah, he met him because at the time, he saw Oscar Pistorius as like a little, as like an idol, as a hero because of his story and everything he's accomplished. And then he said, when this case, when this happened. It basically, he said, and in his words, he went from hero to zero very quickly. Which, yeah, is is interesting. He's going to be listening to this episode as well, because I told him that this is the one that we're doing today, and he just went, oh shit. 
So yeah, we're going to talk about the case of Oscar Pistorius because like you, I remember this very well because I was in my last year of high school when this happened and I remember there was having a lot of debates on is he guilty, is he not guilty and there was a lot, there was a massive divide on it but there was a massive divide all over the world on is he, did he do it deliberately or was it genuinely an accident? There's been this massive divide for a while and thing is i've just realized i don't think we've ever done anyone from south africa before oh we've not oh no, no, i don't think so he's south african that's why i do yes, remember yes. i do know that he was south african so you know first person from south africa who is south african not uk gone there but no he is he was born in johannesburg so yes no, probably the most famous south african athlete I was going to say, Maybe. before you said before you said athlete, I was going to go, eh, Nelson Mandela? <laughs> no, oh, yeah, not the most famous African, but South African athlete, or at least oh, I so can think of, unless there's one that's been bigger than him, but in terms of news and obviously what he's done. Yeah, so for those who are not aware of who Oscar Pistorius is, he, so Oscar Leonard Carl Pistorius is a South African former professional sprinter He's a Paralympic sprinter, so that's going to be a very big key bit of info in this case, that he is a Paralympic athlete. So he has, he had both of his legs amputated when he was 11 months old. So he has always, he's been, he's just always known about not really having his legs, but he became a very famous professional sprinter in the Paralympics. Uh, he was born to Henke and Sheila Pistorius on the 22nd of November 1986 in Johannesburg. He grew up in a Christian home and has an elder brother named Carl and a younger sister named, named Amy. He credits his mother, who died at the age of 43 when he was 15 years old, as a major influence in his life. So he, the reason why he got his legs amputated when he was 11 months old is because he was born with a condition called uh, fibula hemimelia in both legs. So both of his legs were amputated halfway between his knees and ankles. He attended Constantia uh, Clough Primary School and Pretoria Boys High School, where he played rugby union in the school's third XV team. So for those who don't no, he would have had prosthetic legs basically from when he was a child. That's how no, he would, at that's how he would have played rugby. For those who are wondering how did he play rugby if he doesn't have his legs, would he be in a wheelchair? Well, I was just saying, look at the nicknames and it says the fastest man on no legs. That's um I don't know I don't know how to feel about that one. I think that's kinda of funny. But um I didn't realise he didn't have his legs. I thought he just missed like the bottom half, but really, you didn't, know, yeah, you, didn't, well, you, didn't, you didn't know that he didn't have. You didn't know that he didn't have his legs. Well, no, I didn't think it was. How much of the legs does he not have? So literally, it said halfway between his knees and ankles. So literally, from where his knees onwards. Oh. Yeah, knees onwards. Oh, I thought he. Oh, I thought he had a little bit more below the knees. I thought he just didn't have his like feet. Just a little bit up from the feet. Ah, okay. No, no, he has, yeah, pretty much past his knees. That's basically where it, his knees is where it ends, basically. 
Ah, so that means he would have ran using those. I don't know what you call them. Yeah, yeah, he had the blades. The, the, the blades. Is that is that what, is that what they call it? Blades. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say like fake legs because it's not. But it it's like no. angled stuff that makes them run. Yeah. No. They're a bit better. Yeah, the running blades. Ah, okay. That's the name. Yeah. So he has. He uses running blades. So he played water polo and tennis at a provisional level between the ages of eleven and thirteen. So clearly, the whole not having his full legs didn't really affect him in terms of wanting to do athletic stuff which is probably the why a lot of people saw him as an idol and an inspiration because you were, you've basically known your entire life about having your legs and you've not really let it stop you in the slightest i can see why people saw him as an idol i mean it's kind of clear before everything that happened just by looking at him and the and the medals that he won it's very obvious why people idolized him in addition, Pistorius took part in club Olympic wrestling and trained at Janny Brooks Garage Gym in Pretoria. Brooks remarked that it took six months before he noticed that Pistorius had no legs, but nonetheless was able to do many exercises, including boxing, skipping, and doing press-ups. So, like I said, he would have had prosthetic legs, and to be fair, when you see people with prosthetic legs, you can't really tell it's a prosthetic leg until they actually show you it's, pros- it's a prosthetic leg. Because normally part of it's covered. After a serious rugby knee injury in June 2003, he was introduced to running in January 2004 while undergoing rehabilitation at the University of Pretoria's High Performance Centre with coach Ampi Lu and never looked back. His first racing blades were fitted by South African prosthetics Francois van der Waart and because he was unable to find suitable running blades in Pretoria, van der Waart ordered the pair to be made by a local engineer, so his his blades were specially made. However, these blades did quickly break. Van der Waart referred Pretorius to American prosthetics and Paralympic sprinter Brian Frazier to be fitted for blades by Icelandic company Osser. He then began studying for a bachelor's for a bachelor's of commerce in business management with sports science at the University of Pretoria in 2006. In June 2008, in a June 2008 interview for his university's website, he joked, "I won't graduate soon with all the training I have had to cut down on my subjects. Hopefully I'll finish by the time I'm 30." Asked by a journalist for his sporting motto, he said, You're not disabled by the disabilities you have, you are able by the abilities you have. I kind of like that quote, that's actually a pretty good quote. That's some wise words, I mean, I don't have a disability, but I've I've learned from a lot of people who have disabilities that you shouldn't, anything that you do have, you shouldn't let it hold you back, you should push past the boundaries of that, because there's so many things that, in hindsight, life's given it to you, you could see it as life's making me be punished or holding me back but if you have that mindset you won't get anywhere that's why i'm assuming a lot of people looked up to oster pistorius and thought well, this guy doesn't have legs but he's a professional runner and mm. i can do that even if i don't have legs or even if they're in a wheelchair or whatnot i can do that sort of stuff you know there's no limits to doing anything unless your mind makes you think there's limits that you have yeah yeah, I can see I can see the inspiration with with this so far. So we're gonna go into his girlfriend, aka the victim of this case. Uh, her name was Reva Rebecca Steenkamp. She was a South African model and paralegal. 
She was born in Cape Town to parents Barry Steenkamp, a horse trainer, and his second wife, June. She was born on the 19th of August, 1983. She had two older half-siblings from her father and mother's respective previous marriages, Adam Steenkamp and Simone Colburn. The family later moved to Port Elizabeth, where she attended St. Dominic's uh, Priory School. After school, she studied law at the University of Port Elizabeth, which became part of Nelson Mandela Metropolitan University, where she graduated with a Bachelor of Laws degree in 2005. After university, Steenkamp worked as a paralegal, as paralegal and as a model. She applied to the bar in late 2011. And for those who don't understand when I say uh, the bar, it's basically something you have to apply for when trying when studying law. And she hoped to be a, legal, a qualified legal advocate by the age of 30. She began modelling at the age of 14 and she was a finalist in the weekend post faces of the future competition in 2004 and in the Herald Miss Port Elizabeth contest in 2005. She appeared in FHM magazine as a model and cover girl and was the first face of Avon Cosmetics in South Africa. She also modelled for the jewellery company Savannah Diamonds. She was ranked number 40 in the FHM 100, sex, 100 Sexiest Women of the World poll of South Africa and H, uh, HFM Readers in 2011 and number 45 in 2012. Reva was a keen horse rider until she broke her back in a fall in her early 20s and had to learn to walk again. On the South African celebrity circuit, she was a regular A-list guest at red carpet events and negated so, and, and a negated socialite on the Johannesburg party scene. Reva had been dating Oscar Pistorius, a South Af- the South African Olympic and Paralympic runner, since November 2012. She had previously dated Springbok rugby, rugby player Francois Huggard. That is the most rugby player name I could actually think of, you know. Like, stereotypical. So we're going to go into the actual day itself. Obviously, all of this is all the accounts of the day is from Oscar Pistorius himself because it was only those two in the house when this happened. So in the early morning of Thursday, the fourteenth of February, twenty thirteen, Pistorius shot and killed Reva at his home in Pretoria. Pistorius admitted that he shot Steenkamp four times, causing her death, but claimed he mistook her for a possible intruder. Pistorius provided a count of events to the court, which he stated the following. By about 10pm on the 13th of February 2013, we were in our bedroom, she was doing her yoga exercises and I was in bed watching TV. My prosthetic legs were off. After Reva finished her yoga cl- yoga exercises, she got into bed and we both fell asleep. During the early morning hours of the 14th of February 2013, I woke up, went onto the balcony to bring the fan in and close the sliding doors, the blinds and the curtains. Now at the trial, the defence said that he woke up because of the heat and humidity. Reva was already awake and asked him if he was having trouble sleeping. Walking around on his stumps because he wasn't wearing his legs, he opened the balcony door and brought in a fan to try and cool the room down. While doing this, he heard a noise coming from the bathroom. He thought an intruder had broken into the house. He got his gun from under the bed and whispered to Reva to call the police. 
He said, I heard a noise in the bathroom and realised that someone was in there. I believed that someone had entered my house. I was too scared to switch the light on. I grabbed my 9mm pistol from underneath my bed. On the way to the bathroom, I screamed words to the effect for him slash them to get out of my house and for Reva to phone the police. It was pitch dark in the bedroom and I thought Reva was in bed. I noticed that the bathroom window was open. I realised that the intruder or intruders was slash were in the toilet because the toilet door was closed and I didn't see anyone in the bathroom. So basically their bathroom layout had a kind of like closed bit where just the toilet was to have a bit more privacy. So that's how he could see the bathroom window was open, but he couldn't see who was behind the toilet door. <clears throat> hmm, okay. I can kinda get a picture of what that's like. Obviously I mean I do I do I don't well, I kinda get it. Like but if you if you're really if you're really big on privacy when you're on the toilet and you don't want anyone walking in or something. I, I kinda get it. I know a few people that would well, happily have that layout. <laughs> well, that clears it up because all I knew was when this came out was like, he sh- shot in the bathroom. And obviously, in my mind, I could only think of what the bathroom looked like based on ones I've been in, if that makes sense. And the ones in my home are not big. So open the door. You see who's in there as soon as the door's open. Yeah. So that's why I was confused when this came out. I was like, well, how has he not realized who that is, et cetera, et cetera? based on the way the bathroom is but if there is some way that he couldn't have as you just explained not really see who it is i guess that's fair but you know yeah wouldn't you realistically wait to see who it is before taking action on something i said the same thing when this all happened because i said well if this was me and i the only way you can think about it is if that was you in that situation realistically can you so i thought oh if i woke up in the middle of the night and i i got gone out on my balcony to get get the fan and i came back in and i heard a noise in the bathroom i would immediately go to the conclusion that it was my partner in the bathroom i wouldn't jump straight to the intruder because you just wouldn't if you also know if you were on your own in the house immediately obviously immediately yeah. jump to the conclusion but you're not alone in the house and the person who you are in the house with is in the same room as you where next to the bathroom like your brain will logic should logically go to oh that's possibly them look on the bed yeah. look on the bed if they're in the bed then panic if they're not in the bed, just go, oh, it's most likely them. And when they come back, just say, oh, was that you in the bathroom? Oh, yeah, okay, no worries. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I'd do. That's, yeah, I, I, I think the same thing. I mean, if you go to sleep with knowing someone is either coming, going to be coming later on into your place after you fell asleep or you've gone to sleep and you know someone's in the same room with you, you just assume that when you wake up they're gonna be there or roaming around or if they have disappeared completely like you said and you've checked and they're not there then it's like oh okay but realistically they would have said before going to bed oh i'm going to bed blah 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 and if she wasn't gonna be there she would have said oh well before you go to sleep when you wake up i might not be here just a heads up warning and then like you said if someone's not there 
or you went to sleep alone, I wake up, and then there isn't a noise, uh, there isn't someone there, because um, you went to sleep alone, and you hear a noise, that's when it's like, uh-oh, someone's come in. But then, realistically, you should have everything locked. I don't know if it's just me, I'm quite paranoid. Sometimes I forget doors, but most of the time, I, I've gone in the habit of having everything like locked, making sure just so that nobody does end up coming in, because you never know. I'm a heavy sleeper. So I don't get woken by a lot. So when I do get waken up, it's very rare. So the, I'm saying that people are going to take that information, note it down, and be like, yes, Matt is a very heavy sleeper. I can now burgle his house because he will not hear a thing. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you get you get what I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get what you I mean. I think I agree with what you said. But all in all, it's just weird. But plus, having, you know, well weaponry at his disposal I mean we say this a lot but obviously in the UK we don't have access to something that you could use to shoot someone with that uh, would kill them so that's another thing as well uh, when I thought about this I know you're going to mention it more but just having that there and then resorting to using that straight away in defence I mean Americans will be listening going well that's what we do we take guns straight away yeah. and all my like, oh, let's defend myself. And it's but... never worked out well, now has it? Not really. I mean, I feel like if that wasn't there or you didn't have the necessary weapons to damage someone, like kill them, but you at least still had someone to defend yourself, but it wouldn't have, you know... Like, we don't have guns here, but I feel like I could still somewhat defend myself. Yeah. But I don't need a weapon that could kill someone, you know? Yeah. So he then carried on with, it filled me with horror and fear of an intruder or intruders being inside the toilet. I would be more questioning why an intruder is using the toilet when they're trying to rob the place, but that's just me. Can you imagine that though? He, he opened the door, he's like, what the fuck, who are you? Oh, sorry, I'm robbing your house, but I really need a fucking shite. Yes. I was fucking bursting, man. Yeah. All that fucking stinks. Well, well, if you let me, let me finish my shite, then... I won't rob your house, and I'll just leave, uh, and we can pretend this never happened. If you dare clog that toilet, I promise, I'll try. I'll try and not clog the toilet. He then said, I thought he or they must have entered through the unprotected window, which I do kind of understand considering the window in the bathroom was open. He said, as I did not have my prosthetic legs on, I felt extremely vulnerable. Understandable. I knew I had to protect Reva and myself. I believed that when the intruders slash intruder came out of the toilet, we would be in grave danger. I felt trapped as my bedroom door was locked and I had limited mobility on my stumps. I fired shots at the toilet door and shouted to Reva to phone the police. She did not respond and I moved backwards out of the bathroom, keeping my eyes on the bathroom entrance. Everything was pitch dark in the bedroom and I was still too scared to switch on a light. When I reached the bed, I realised that Reva was not in bed. This is when it dawned on me that it could have been Reva who was in the toilet. I returned to the bathroom, calling her name. I tried to open the toilet door, but it was locked. I rushed back into the bedroom and opened the sliding door, exiting onto the balcony and screamed for help. See, then after this, he then returned to the bathroom, calling out for Reva. As he did so, he then he said he tried to open the toilet door but couldn't because it was locked again. He then went back into the bedroom on his stumps, opened the balcony door and screamed for help, like I already said. He put on he then put on his legs 
and then tried to kick down the toilet door. When that didn't work, he moved back to the bedroom to get his cricket bat. He used the bat to smash holes in the door. One of the door panels broke open, enabling him to reach inside and open the door. He found Reva still alive, slumped over the toilet. He was cross-examined about his version of events for around five days. At the trial, Pistorius' neighbour, uh, Johann Stipp, a radiologist, testified that he found him praying over Reva's body when he went over to help after being woken up by what he described as the sound of gunshots and a woman screaming. Stipp testified the first thing he remembered Pistorius saying when he saw him was, I shot her, I thought she was a burglar, I shot her. Joanne Stander, manager of the estate where Pistorius lived, testified that he called at 3.18am saying, Please, please come to my house. I shot Reva. I thought she was an intruder. Please, please come quick. He went with his daughter and found Pistorius coming down the stairs with Reva in his arms. He was broke. He was screaming. He was crying. He was praying. I saw the truth that morning. The lead defence advocate in the case was Barry Rokes. Pistorius' defence said that by shooting at what he believed to be an intruder, he believed he was acting in self-defence. He had no intention or motive to kill Reva. Pistorius' defence therefore amounted to a claim that he did not intend to act unlawfully. If the killing of Reva was unintentional under South African law, he should not be found guilty of murder. The court then had to consider whether firing the shots was something that a reasonable person in his circumstances would have done. If the court concluded that this was a reasonable mistake, it would convict him of culpable homicide, defined in South African criminal law as, ne- as the negligent, unlawful killing of another human being, roughly the equivalent to the concept of manslaughter in, or- in other jurisdictions. So basically, he would be convicted of manslaughter, not murder. See, but they say if there's no reason for someone to do something like that. But there's many times in cases that we've covered where someone just does something and there's no almost like clear reason why they might do it. But anyone can just, at the turn of a button, or push of a button, I should say, just be reckless and end up killing someone. You know, you could know someone that's the most clean-cut person. You think, oh, they'd never do that. Doesn't mean they could, you know, not do it ever, ever. You think they'd never do it. People could have seen him and gone, oh, Oscar Stories would never do that. He's such a nice guy. But then that's what you think. You know, you can never fully understand someone 100% and know exactly what they are going to do. So I feel like saying that, oh, it's out of his nature or something like that, you know, is a bit like, well, you just didn't see it coming, him doing something like this, you know, if you believe that he didn't do it in self-defense. I mean, yeah. So, the defence also challenged the state's timing of the fatal shots, disputing allegations that they occurred after an argument. The state claimed the shots occurred at 3.17am. Rokes said the noises heard at the time were made by Pistorius as he smashed open the toilet door with a cricket bat. The shots were fired earlier, which meant that the screams heard by witnesses before 3.17am were made by Pistorius calling for help. The defence argued that the screams could not be made by Reva because she was already fatally wounded. The defence closed its case on the 8th of July. Barry Rogue stated that the timeline of events laid out by the defence proves that Pistorius' story is true and that Pistorius should only ever have faced culpable homicide charges, not murder, and protested, 
We were unable to call a number of witnesses because they refused and didn't want their voices heard all over the world. Chief Prosecutor Jerry Nell claimed that the killing was premeditated and that Pistorius shot Reva deliberately after they had had an argument. At the trial, he said, you fired four shots through the door whilst knowing that she was standing behind the door. At the trial, pathologist Gert Seyman said Reva was shot in the head, pelvis and arm with a black talon hollow point bullet which opened up into a petal-like shape on impact and were designed to cause maximum damage. That is a powerful bullet to have just in your house. If that's the case. Yeah, there's quite a lot of cases I've seen where... Or, or I think things in the news of where someone or they've shown or someone's told me the sort of powerful weapon they have at their disposal in terms of self-defense gets a little worrying, you know. And maybe, I don't know if that's just us because we don't have access to these weapons, but I feel like, you know, it's bad enough having something like a pistol. That could be quite powerful. But when folks say that, oh, I have like a shotgun or like an AR, that's when it's like, whoa, you're really pushing it for how much you think you need um, or how much powerful weapon you think you need to defend yourself with. Mm. Uh, So Nell said the killing was premeditated based on contested testimony by those who lived nearby that they heard an argument and a woman screaming prior to shots being fired. The defence argued that the screaming all came from Pistorius. Whether that witnesses heard gunshots or the wax of his cricket bat breaking down the door afterwards was also contested. Concerned about the claim of premeditation, the presiding magistrate asked Nell why Pistorius had not staged a break-in to make his story look more believable. Nell replied, he planned it that night when she locked herself in the toilet. In his closing arguments, Nell claimed that Pistorius concocted a snowball of lies, demanding that Pistorius face consequences for his actions. Jerry Nell is really, really laying it on thick well i've just asked a man to find the image of the bathroom now so i'm now getting a bit more of a clearer picture mm. well it's a fair house i must say oh it's a big house i remember seeing like images of it when this was all yeah, kicking off i was like that, that place is fucking all huge. white it's like two massive well, there's a smaller garage next to what seems to be a bigger two-car garage I mean, it's got a balcony which is pretty decently sized, and that's a massive bathroom. Because I remember when you he, know. I remember when he was got he got put on house arrest while they were still waiting for like sentencing and trials and all this kind of shit. And I remember them. I remember just thinking, oh, they're putting him on house arrest in his house, which is a massive fuck off mansion. That's going to be really shit, isn't it? Like that's yeah, exactly. I, I remember my reaction being that. I mean, I know it's not as bad as some of the other cases, but still like with other houses there's people who are living in this yeah um probably right now and i know it's not as bad uh, um well apparently it was sold a year after the fatal shooting to someone for 4.5 million r that's not I'm, I'm not sure how much that's but still i wouldn't live in there because every time you go to the bathroom you know this is where someone died. This is where the person got shot. Yeah, you'd probably want to redo that. If you can afford to buy the house, I'm going to guess you'd happily redo a, do a, bit of constru- constru- do a bit of construction on it. The door is still missing, apparently. 
Why would you just replace it, man? You can afford that house. You can afford to replace a door. I've just it says here as well. The person who bought it says that for four point five million, he snapped up a bargain. A oh, bargain, what? yeah. A bargain of four point five million. Okay. To, to be fair, that's not in our currency, so you might want to see what the difference uh... is in exchange rate, because that might not be as high as you're thinking. Um, because I do have somewhere in my notes a rough. So I think I remember. I think I saw something where. Um, oh God, let me see. Oh wait, one eight nine three hundred eighty six point two three. Oh, so it's one hundred eighty nine k. Yeah, it's not as it. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, uh, you know what? You know what? That is a bargain. <laughs> that is a bargain. That's what you say. That's, that's, that's... that is a bargain because that is that's a. 189k that's a one bedroom flat over here what's the way to say it i don't think i've ever a, mentioned this before that but is a bargain have you ever seen those photos right of like it's american houses and how much you how what you get for an american house yeah. and then what that would be in the uk yeah americans have these massive fuck off houses right yeah but they also, and then... yeah, but they also pay like thousands in freaking doctor's bills that um, is true, but I think it's because they've got so much land that they have to true. just cover it with a mass fuck-off house. And I've explained this to some American friends that I've spoke to before. I've had to tell them, oh, I've, my, my room's tiny. And then I see theirs, and they're like, oh, and I see their house, and I'm like, bro, you think you may think that what you have isn't big, but if you saw where I live, yeah. or like where you live, you'd realize that when you have a tiny, tiny space, you know it's a tiny space, and you'd long to have something which Americans would probably perceive or other countries might perceive as just normal-sized. Yeah. Be lucky for the the size that you can get for yeah. uh, a house for the price. Yeah, no, I do get that. So at the bail hearing, the prosecution argued that Pistorius was wearing his prosthetic legs when he shot Reaver, claiming that the time he took to put them on was evidence of premeditated murder. However, when the case went to trial, Nell agreed that Pistorius was not wearing them at the time of the shooting. After prosecution witness Christian Magnina was a, a police uh, ballistics analysis testified the shooter was most likely not wearing prosthetic legs because that will be based on the angle that the bullets went in it would have been like a whole angle situation because you'll be able to tell based on height prosecution witness jones uh, Fimulin, a police forensic analysis testified pistorius was probably not wearing his prosthetic legs when he broke the toilet door down with a cricket bat after the shoot after the shooting either however defense lawyer rogues pointed out to Vermeulen that if Pistorius had been on his stumps, he would not have been able to balance while swinging a cricket bat with enough force to break the door. That is a valid point, actually. That's a very good point. Uh, Pistorius and Reva had only been dating for three months when she was shot. Pete Van Zyl, Pistorius's agent, testified that Pistorius was in a loving and caring relationship with Reva. Van Zyl described the sprinter as hypervigilant and said that he rarely lost his temper. On the 24th of March, the court heard testimony about messages sent on iPhones between him and Reva using WhatsApp. 90% of them were described as loving and normal, but there were a few from Reva accusing Pistorius of jealousy and possessiveness. In one of them sent less than three weeks before her killing, Reva told him, I'm scared of you sometimes of how you snap at me, and described his behaviour as nasty. 
Rogues pointed out that pointed out that out of 1,700 messages between him and Reva, only four conversations were arguments. Rogues told the court there was a disagreement on happiness, but if you look at the messages, it was resolved very quickly. On the 13th of February, just hours before she died, Reva sent him a text saying, You're an amazing person with so many blessings and you are more than cared for. He then replied with, Stay tonight if you like. Reva died on Valentine's Day. At one point in the trial, Rogues asked Pistorius to read from a Valentine's Day card which Reva had given him before she died. She wrote, I think today is a good day to tell you that I love you. The prosecution tried to show that Pistorius and Reva were heard arguing prior to the shooting. The state's first witness, Michelle Berger, lived 177 metres away from the house, but claimed to hear Reva screaming from behind the closed toilet door. Now, I agree with the acoustic engineer with this one, because the acoustic engineer, uh, Ivan Lynn, testified that Test suggested that if Reva was screaming in the toilet, it was very unlikely that screams would be audible or intelligible from 177 metres away and that although we can typically distinguish male and female screams, you can't do so reliably reliably without exception. I mean, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with there's, that. There's some men who have screamed and it sounds like a girl. Some girls who screamed and it sounds like a man. I was more like thinking she wouldn't have been able to hear that. Like at all. Yeah, well, not not here's... not that clearly from that far away. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I know I know what this this person is saying. Uh, Pistorius's lawyer Barry Roke suggested to Michelle Berger that he was so upset his voice became high pitched and that he sounded like a woman when he screamed. Rokes also said that it was impossible for Reva to have cried out after the shots because she was shot in the head and had brain damage. That's also a valid point, actually. That's actually a really, really, really good point. She wouldn't have been able to scream if she was shot in the head, cause especially because it caused brain damage. Well, yeah, when you get damage to the brain... You're not going to um, be audible. You're not going to be able to fucking shout or... No, I guess that might depend on what part of the brain you have been damaged from, but... I don't know much, but like I in my, I would assume that any damage to the brain causes severe. Yeah, you're not gonna uh, you, issues in. You'd probably be able to let out like grunts and mumbles, but you won't be able to let out a full blown scream that can be heard from 177 meters away. Like I will agree with them on this. Another of a number of other witnesses also claimed they heard a woman's screams and gunshots on the night of Reva's death. The defence cross-examined these witnesses, attempting to establish that, in fact, this was Pistorius screaming for help, and that the explosive sounds came from the door to the toilet being battered down. This argument was was bolstered on the 6th of May by a married couple who lived next door to him, testifying that they had both heard a man crying loudly in a high-pitched voice and calling three times for help. Another immediate neighbour testified that she heard a man crying, describing the sounds as a cry of pain. Throughout the court proceedings, Pistorius had numerous emotional outbursts. Like, I, I, I... One thing I really hate is when someone has a very logical outburst from something like this, and people look at them and go, "He's being, they're being emotional. 
and they judge it and I'm just like of course they're being emotional you cold hearted fuck I hate when people like use the term emotional in a bad way it really fucking annoys me see emotions are a very difficult thing to truly 100% understand unless someone can correct me on that but that's what I think you know and I it's so hard to you know um fully understand emotions but to say of it in like a ne- put emotions in like a negative way is never really good it's, um it's, yeah especially, you know, especially when like, it comes to like the loss of someone and they just it's, oh, it's a ser- or someone's it's a serious crime and someone's yeah. naturally shown emotion towards oh, it and they go it's oh, almost- been emotional <laughs> It's one of those things where, and I guess I, I can quote the cure here, where the, with their song "Boys Don't Cry," the example of that men can't show emotions of tears or whatnot because if they do, that's seen as them being weak. But yeah. I, I'll, I've openly said that a million times, or I've had photos of myself and said to others, "I have cried." Literally, I've cried in the club in town if songs have come on, and I'm not afraid to admit that. But the fact that for some people, if you know, someone shows this emotions that's seen as a bad thing, but it shouldn't be because you know emotions are the just a natural human thing. So for someone like a man to cry or show something in that sort of way over something isn't bad. You know, you know, if something terrible happens, is a man just supposed to not cry? Is is, uh, is that not supposed to happen? Or like in a woman's case, is there emotions a woman's not supposed to have? I mean. It's never said that. Where is it written down in the Ten Commandments or whatever where it says that this person should not feel this emotions based on the gender that they are or because it's just going to be... like some, Most people see it in a negative light. I'd never see anyone's emotions in a negative light unless said emotions were used in a bad way. Like, if in the trial or whatnot he was laughing, then oh, yeah, yeah. that's like... You know what I mean? If it's in that context where someone's laughing at something that that emotion shouldn't be shown because that's inappropriate or that would be offensive or whatnot, that's fine. But you're showing emotions in a case of like this really is, you know, quite hampering when it's on like a negative light. But I've gone past that and been able to say that I can show these emotions. And if anyone listening now heard me and went, ha ha, Matthew openly just admitted that he cries that sort of stuff. Haha, he's a man that cries. I couldn't care. I can show those emotions. As a man, I couldn't give a hoot. But if you are one of those people that sees uh, certain people who uh, sees in a, in a way that people can't do emotions, uh, then fuck you. Well, I'm just going to say that. Fuck you. No, fair. Didn't think I'd be saying that, but now I am. So yeah, throughout the court proceedings, he apparently had numerous emotional outbursts, including crying, howling, and vomiting. When asked, oh, vomiting? What? I mean, to be fair, you ever been like so massively upset and you've just been crying nonstop? Oh, you feel like you're gonna be fucking well, sick. I've had it in the sense of like sometimes I get really excited sometimes, and then well, I, mean, I, feel I like, get. I feel like all you the, had that. Yeah, you know when all the pressure. think it's like all the pressure on the body, and it just it. And then you start like you get so excited and you start coughing. And you're like, oh god, and you stop yourself because you feel like you're gonna vomit, but you're too, so hyper. Basically, that you I, feel that, yeah. Yeah, or you know, yeah, like when you have like a really massive, massive emotional break breakdown, you feel you've been crying and you feel like you're gonna be sick. It's basically that's basically what happened. So oh, okay, yeah, which that happens. I've been there. It happens. 
When asked in court to explain what happened, he cried loudly, his body racked with sobs. Uh, Yvette Van Schorlich, a social worker and probation officer, was assigned to Pistorius after he shot Reva. She testified that he was heartbroken and genuinely sorry for what Reva's parents were going through. She said that in February 2013, she sat with him in the cells during his bail appearance where he vomited twice and cried 80% of the time. To be fair, when I've... So, I've made like a little video to put to announce the episode and when I was looking through footage from the court um, like videos see there is like footage from the hearings and the bail hearings. is that on YouTube yeah, is that on YouTube yeah, yeah yeah like it was like I think it was an actual broadcasted trial so you can actually see it and in every single clip it's just crying oh she testified I mean it's Sorry. I was just gonna say that when you, just because you mentioned trials I thought I'd just mention now if I know this doesn't relate, but I don't know if you saw the clip, but it was somewhere in America where so the, the dude was getting acquitted for something, and he just like full on dives at the judge that is um, acquitting him, like full on like Superman dives and like tackles her down behind the bloody desk. Have you not seen that? I have not. I at least it's getting shared everywhere because I was like, no way. And then she's like, I'm a qu- well, I'm not quitting. I am, you know charging you for blah 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 and then all I hear him say you fucking bitch then out of nowhere because you don't see him because the camera's only on her this man just full on dolphin dives behind the desk and like tackles her down and starts crapping the crap out of her I don't think I've ever seen that in a court case where the, the person's gotten out of the chair Superman dived at the judge who's done nothing wrong the judge is just doing her job you're also not helping your case. You, you're also not helping yourself in that situation no you're making the fact it worse. That the people behind the people behind the desk next to the judge as well they had to just like leap and try and stop it because they were like so confused because they'd never think that someone would do that it's just nuts I just thought I meant it because it's been shared around and like realistically from all the court cases that I've seen or watched the people are just calm in the chair there's only a few times where they may have been a little reckless, but never in the case of full-on Superman dive. Yeah, like, I found out... That, that, that's just really fucking stupid. Uh, so, yeah, apparently he vomited twice and cried 80% of the time. She said he was... Hopefully a- you can't see the vomiting. I hope you don't see I'm that. I'm pretty sure you probably don't. Uh, uh, I, wanted to wa- I wanted to watch it. Now you said it's on YouTube, but... I mean, watch it. They're like Each clip is, like, 20-odd minutes long. Uh, she said he was in mourning, suffering emotionally, and that he told her he missed Reva a great deal. He, uh, she said he loved her. He couldn't think what her parents must be going through. However, prosecutor, uh, prosecutor Jerry Nell, known he is known as the this guy, is we've already heard that he's obviously been quite brutal when he's been saying that it was premeditated murder. He is known as a bull terrier. His nickname is the Bull Terrier, for based on his aggressive interrogation tactics. That just sounds something that you'd see in a sick sitcom, like, in a sitcom like Brooklyn Nine Nine. You know, like you know like how they got the Vulture in Brooklyn Nine Nine. It sounds basically kind of like that, but because of his aggressive interrogation tactics, he has been nicknamed the Bull Terrier. Uh, he claimed Pistorius hasn't shown any remorse and accused Pistorius of getting emotional in court because you're getting frustrated because your version of events is improbable. 
Eventually, Nell requested a mental health assessment, which was conducted by psychiatrist Mill Vorster. She concluded that he had anxiety disorder stemming from his childhood. His parents separated when he was six and his father was hardly ever around. His mother was so anxious that she slept with a firearm under her pillow. Now, she died in 2002, which meant he lost an emotional attachment figure given, and given his disability, Forster argued that he was more likely to respond to any threat with fight rather than flight. The evaluation also found that he was not mentally incapacitated to the extent where he could not tell right from wrong, though it did say that he currently suffered from PTSD and would need continuing psychiatric care or he could become suicidal. I'm I'm not going to lie, I'm amazed that he's not been suicidal because so if that if that was me in that situation that would be i know i definitely would be so yeah on the 30th of june the surgeon who amputated his legs when he was only 11 months old gerald versfield agreed that he would be severely impaired with a dangerous in a dangerous situation and would be unable to flee if on his stumps the fact that they've got the actual surgeon who amputated his legs that many years ago to say something. Sean Renz, a manager of the International Firearm Training Academy in Walkerville, testified at the trial that he had a gr- that Pistorius had a great love and enthusiasm for guns. Renz testified that Pistorius purchased a Smith & Wesson 500 revolver handgun from him and wanted Renz to obtain five other particular firearms for him. Pistorius told Renz he was going to apply for a collector's license. Renz also described an incident which occurred months before he killed Reaver, where he heard a noise in the house, drew his gun and went into combat mode. The noise turned out to be coming from his laundry machine, so it wasn't anything, but it kind of shows that no matter what the sound is, he's going to immediately jump to the worst case scenario, even if it's a natural sound in the house. I mean, saying going combat mode, that, 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 that I don't know if it's me, but whenever so, it made me just think of what it's some video game or something who just says goes combat mode. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a, a, a guns salesman, so he's probably going to yeah, say combat I, mode. That, unless that's terminology that can be please, but if someone says, oh, yeah, I went combat mode, feels like it's a, a more of a video game term. But I didn't realize it was a, it was a revolver. That's what. He, is, he used. Yeah, yeah. He, he'd purchased a revolver handgun from him, yeah. But he wanted the guy to obtain five other particular firearms for him as well. I mean, I'm not... I mean, I don't know what the gun laws are really like in South Africa, but it might be quite easy to get a gun. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, they have, like, firearm training academies. So I think that's where you'd purchase them, by the looks of things. Ah. So, Renz testified that he that uh, that Pistorius was well aware of rules on gun use in South Africa and how to deal with intruders. In addition to murder, he was charged with two other gun-related charges. The first alleged that he recklessly shot his gun out of the open sunroof of a car the previous year, and the second that he fired, and the second one was that he fired someone else's handgun at a restaurant a few weeks before he shot and killed Reva. That's not a fucking good track record when it comes to your own gun violence. You shouldn't have gun, yeah. You shouldn't have any issues with gun violence anyway. But the fact that he's had two previous is not making him look good. That's making me think he shouldn't be owning one in the slightest. Because yeah, it's... 
And the reason being is because his former girlfriend, Samantha Taylor, testified that the sunroof incident occurred when he became angry after he was stopped for speeding by a police officer. He shot a gun out of the sunroof because he was stopped for speeding, which means he has a very high temper and he's probably going to get ticked off quite easily because I know that's going to be that's going to be annoying. You're going to get a bit pissed off that you've been stopped for speeding, you've been given a ticket, whatever. But you're not going to fucking shoot a gun out of a sunroof in anger. It's always weird though because if somebody owns a gun and then they start shooting it in manners that they don't really need to like in this case i mean people who own guns if they go to like a shooting range to shoot at targets that's fine but if you had if you owned a gun and then you were out and about and you randomly shot it up into the sky it just seems a bit pointless needless and a bit kind of a bit worrying like in this case he's shot it through the sunroof you know that's not something you do if you own a gun you know shoot at targets is like a normal thing people do with guns but then to just get angry and shoot out of your sunroof doesn't doesn't do anything good for you you know if, if i knew someone and they said oh i just shot my gun out the roof of my car i'd be like well why the fuck are you doing that oh, that's not something you just do oh because i got really angry when i was stopped for speeding by a police officer i mean you were the one speeding so if you can't be held accountable for your action and get angry over something that you know you did yeah so she said that he kept his gun with him at all times and that he was prone to getting very angry very easily. Which doesn't make it look good considering his defence attorney had said that he didn't have a temper. Because that's Thing kind is, of proving that he did a bit. If someone might have anger issues or a tendency to maybe lose temper, them owning a gun isn't really good you know what i mean i mean i i I don't know how you get diagnosed specifically for the doctor saying this person does have anger issues they can because i remember back in primary folk would get angry and then folk would go oh yeah i have anger issues but like did you really or were you just angry once but if so if like someone had a tendency to get very angry they wouldn't be put in situations where they could end up um hurting someone you know what i mean so yeah. the fact is that if people had known he was prone to having temper and anger outbursts him owning a gun isn't a good thing because at any outburst he could take that gun and who knows what he could do with it well yeah exactly this is a valid point so the judge so, sorry the court's verdict which was arrived by an anonymous anonymously by the judge and her two assessors was delivered by Masper over two days. On the 11th of September, she dismissed much of the state's circumstantial evidence, which also which was also described in Pistorius as a very poor witness. She said the state had not, prov- not uh, proved beyond a reasonable doubt that Pistorius was guilty of premeditated murder and also ruled out common murder, accepting that he did not subjectively foresee this as a possibility that he would kill the person behind the door, let alone the deceased as he thought she was in the bedroom. However, she also said a reasonable person in the same circumstances would have foreseen the possibility that if he fired four shots, whoever was behind the toilet door might be struck and die as a result. She said Pistorius failed to take any steps to avoid someone dying with the actions that he took. 
He, she said he acted too hastily and used excessive force, and his actions were clearly neg- negligent. On the 12th of September, the judge found Pistorius not guilty of murder, but guilty of culpable homicide of Reva and guilty of reckless endangerment with a firearm at a restaurant in a separate incident. He was found not guilty of the charges relating to discharging a firearm through the sunroof of a car and illegal possession of ammunition. The trial was adjourned until the 13th of October 2014 for sentencing and Pistorius was granted an extension of his bail. According to media monitoring company ROI Africa, the majority of social media comments during the delivery of the verdict were critical of Massapa after it became evident that Pistorius would not be found guilty of murder. Uh, Judge Masper, who was given police protection from the beginning of the trial, was subjected to threats and personal attacks by people who disagreed with the verdict. The sentencing hearing began on the 13th of October 2014. When one th- Right, I'm going to also say this because I see this all the time now when it comes to either public cases or just anything on fucking social media. People who send threats and personal attacks because you don't agree with something that's got nothing to do with you I don't understand it because I get you might not agree with it but you don't need to threaten someone to get your point across because there's other ways of doing things you don't need to go to this stupid level like it. I don't understand the logic with this The sentencing hearing began on the 13th of October 2014. Witnesses for the defence recommended a three-year community service sentence with 16 hours of community service per month. State witnesses uh, Zach Modis, Acting National Commissioner of Correctional Services, testified that bringing disabled Pistorius would be held in Pretoria Central Prison's hospital wing if he received a prison sentence. In a statement released on the 15th of October, Reva's parents said they would not testify in the sentencing hearing and that they had decided not to proceed with a separate civil lawsuit. Reva's cousin, Kim Martin, testified for the state about the impact on the family and asked the court to impose a prison sentence. Closing arguments were heard on the 17th of October when the defence argued against a prison sentence and the state requested a minimum prison sentence of 10 years. The state rested their case on Tuesday the 25th of March, having called 20 witnesses from an original list of 107. On the 21st of October 2014, Pistorius received a prison sentence of a maximum of five years for culpable homicide. Part of the sentence may be served under correctional supervision after he has served a minimum of one-sixth of five years, meaning ten months, in prison. He also received a concurrent three-year prison sentence, which was suspended for five years for the separate reckless endangerment conviction. On the 8th of June 2015, South African Commissioner of Correctional Services Sak Modis said that the Prison Case Management Committee had recommended that Pistorius be released under correctional supervision on the 21st of August 2015, having served a a sixth of his sentence. This release was based on good behaviour and the fact that he is not considered a danger to the community. Pistorius would remain under house arrest. This is what I mean when I remember that happening, them saying he would be under house arrest. And I was like, if he's he's going to be in his house, it's not really that. 
like you're in a mansion but it said he would remain under house arrest and correctional supervision and may be required to perform community service as part of his continuing sentence Regardless of his release from prison, Pistorius would not be allowed to return to official athletic competition until the whole five years of his sentence w- was complete. I don't know if they'd even let him, you know. I don't know if they'd even let him compete. On the 19th... 19- mm. Yeah, I don't know if they would. I feel like they'd be worried about too much backlash. So I don't know if they would. But I mean, we'll find out. We'll find out now. But... To be fair, I do go towards the end. I will go into his parole conditions, so we'll be able to have a proper a proper talk about that then. Uh, on the nineteenth of August, two thousand fifteen, two days before Pistorius was due to leave prison, the Justice Minister Michael Masutha sent the case to the Parole Review Board, saying that the Parole Board should not have started considering parole until Pistorius had completed a sixth of his sentence. Legal experts said that this was a novel interpretation of the law and that parole boards generally consider parole in advance of the earliest release date. Suggestions of improper political interference were made after a tweet on the official Twitter page of the ruling party, the African National Congress, incorrectly referred to Pistorius as a convicted murderer. The Parole Review Board met on the 18th of September, but the decision was put off for two weeks. They it, they said they could not deal with all the matters at hand, according to Maseli Walila, spokesperson for the Department of Correctional Services. On the 5th of October 2015, the Parole Review Board referred the parole decision to back to the original parole panel, stating that Pistorius should be subjected to psychotherapy as part of his parole conditions. Pistorius' family questioned the legality of the delay, suggesting that he was not treated like other prisoners due to the public, political and media hype, and and stated that he was already receiving ongoing psychotherapy. On the 9th of October 2015, the parole board met again and postponed a hearing until the 15th, stating the board would again consult the family of Reva Steenkamp. On the 15th of October, the parole board confirmed Pistorius would be released to house arrest on the 20th. However, Pistorius was released on the 19th. On the 8th of December 2015, it was announced that Pistorius would continue to remain free on bail of 10,000 rand, which is only, which is literally just under £500. His bail was 500 quid. Well, just under. Damn, that's just, not a lot. It's not. No, I could pay that. I could pay that. Yeah, I could pay that too. Uh, since Judge Aubrey Lebwada uh, Le, Le did not consider him to be a flight risk, though remaining under house arrest, he was not. He was. Uh, he was to be allowed to leave home between seven a.m. and noon each day, but staying within a twenty-kilometer radius of his uncle's mansion in Pretoria. To be enforced with the aid of electronic monitoring device. So basically a tag on your ankle. It's an ankle tag. Oh, oh so we had a tag on him. Ooh. That's what, if you've got, if you're on parole, you will have a tag on you most likely on your ankle. Because that's how they monitor when you are. Where, you where, say you, the ankle. It's normally an ankle tag, yeah. But it can't be on him because he doesn't have an ankle. They'll probably put it on his wrist or something then. It'll be, it'll be put somewhere else. It'll be a tag, but it'll be put somewhere else. Yeah. 
so he was required to give up his passport as well. Pistorius will appeal. Said it was reported that Pistorius will appeal his his conviction in South Africa's constitutional court on the eleventh of January two thousand sixteen. Pistorius applied to leave for the leave to appeal to South Africa's constitutional court. His lawyers contended that the Supreme Court of Appeal had acted unlawfully and unconstitutionally by rejecting factual findings of the original verdict and made mistakes in its application of the principle of Dolus Evanelius. On the 3rd of March 2016, the Constitutional Court denied the application. In the December, though, the Supreme Court of Appeal overturned the culpable homicide verdict and found Pistorius guilty of murder, concluding that Pistorius should have known that firing his gun would have killed whoever was behind the door, whether it was regardless of who he thought it was. On the 6th of July 2016, uh, Maspia, the judge, sentenced Pistorius to six years in prison for murder, although the prosecution had called for 15 years because the minimum prison sentence in South Africa for murder is 15 years. Which is... a Fair enough. Ah, it's fair, minimum. Yeah, that's, okay. that's, the, yeah, that's the minimum if you've committed murder is 15 years. So fair enough. That, yeah, you've got to at least be like, wait, this is the law, though. The judge argued that Pistorius had already served 12 months in prison for the culpable homicide convic- conviction and was remorseful for his killing. In November 2017, the South African Supreme Court for appeal of appeal added nine years to the sentence for a total of 15 years, following a government appeal. Pistorius was eligible for parole in 2023 and was denied on the th- on the 31st of March 2023, so last year. Pistorius and his defence team appealed the ruling, but the Constitutional Court dismissed his request to leave for leave to appeal in March 2018. So he's applied a couple times, but as of today, literally today, the 5th of January 2024. Oscar Pistorius was freed on parole nearly 11 years after murdering his girlfriend in a case that made global headlines. The former Paralympic champion, once celebrated as the Blade Runner, was granted parole in November and today left a South African jail and is now at home, South Africa's Correctional Services Department have reported. The parole will last until December 2029, and Pistorius will be subject will be subjected to restrictions and super unsupervised by a correctional services official. Some of the parole conditions include restrictions on when he will be allowed to leave his home, a ban on consuming alcohol, and orders he must also attend therapy for anger issues and gender-based violent issues. He will also have to perform community service. Pistorius will have to regularly regularly meet with parole officers and will be subjected to unannounced visitors, visits by authorities. He will have to inform a Department of Corrections official of, me- of any major changes in his life, such as if he wants to get a job or move to another house. He was expected to stay in his uncle's Pretoria mansion and will not be allowed to leave the Watercloth district without permission. He could be sent back to jail if he breaches any of his parole conditions. In a statement shared by the Steenkamp's family lawyer, Mrs. Steenkamp's, Miss Steenkamp's mother said, 
Has there been justice for Reva? Has Oscar served enough time? There can never be justice if your loved one is never coming back and no amount of time served will bring Reva back. We who remain behind are the ones serving a life sentence. With the release of Oscar Pistorius on parole, my only desire is that I will be allowed to live my last years in peace with my focus remaining on the Reva Rebecca Steam Camp Foundation to continue Reva's legacy. She said the conditions imposed by the parole board had affirmed her belief in the South African justice system as, as, they, as in her own words, they send out a clear message that gender-based violence is taken seriously. And that is the case. That is where it ends. He's, he's been released today. He's at home right now. Thing is, you had no idea. I didn't know. Just... I didn't know until an hour before recording. I went, "Oh shit!" I mean, see, it's uh, for sports fans. This is probably a tough one because I know you said earlier, from like hero to zero. Because I mean, I just had some stuff up, and I didn't realize um, he had one, two, three, four, five, six gold medals from the Olympics, which is pretty impressive. And for someone to have six gold medals from the Olympics to then end up like this. Yeah. You know, it's something kind of unheard of, but he is out now and there's obviously a lot of restrictions that he does have, but you know, he's not going to be in the public eye. He's going to be... I, I can think or probably guarantee he's probably going to hide away and not really say anything you think? Yeah, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be doing a Gypsy Rose. No. He's not gonna be all over social media making videos and partying and celebrating. It's not gonna be. He's gonna be silent as anything. Yeah, because I've you know his whole life's just been shattered by his actions. So I think he's not gonna be in the public light at all. No, but... I, I don't think he. I don't think he'll compete. If he competes, I will be. A shocked that he's done it, that he's put himself forward like that, but also be shocked that the Paralympics have actually gone. Yeah, okay, because I feel like they won't based on no, the they'd get a lot of backlash they if they so had a former Paralympian come back. I also, but I also, someone, I, yeah, I also don't trust the Paralympics TikTok um, creator. To oh, not yeah, take they, to not take the piss. If have any has has anyone you know, if there's anyone listening has seen that, they'll know what we're it's on about. And I've seen this. So it's kind of bad. become a meme, hasn't it? I thought that it was a meme account that was sharing. Well, no, this it's the Paralympics yeah, the official. I checked the account. It's the Paralympics verified official account. They basically at any um com- anything that they basically any sport that they represent and any like any competitions any races any whatever that 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 they are going to show they basically whoever's running it basically gets the clips from this broadcast and basically takes the piss out of disabled people in a way with the audio they use like the meme audio songs or, 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 or like an audio that references 
disability or something that plays on the fact that the people have disabilities and i've seen them and i'm like even the comments for folk are just like this is the official paralympics go what and like they may i don't know if the person doing it or the paralympics is seen as like well we're just showing that even though people have disabilities you can still have a laugh about someone's disability but some of them edge on the line of like are you trying to laugh and like a haha it's everyone's laughing it's a funny way or yeah. it generally does seem like an absolute piss take for the fact of like, no, you are generally making fun of these people who you're trying to represent, you know. And there's a lot of companies who represent stuff who get backlash because they actually don't represent the thing they're representing in a good light at all. So it doesn't do the Paralympics any justice. And if he came back, I guarantee they'd be making some jokes or some shit about that, which would just be horrible. But he, he's not coming back, and there's no way he could be able to represent. You know, they, you, could, you could never have someone who's convicted no. of this sort of crime come back and represent. And plus, if he represented the Paralympics again, he's representing South Africa. And I don't think yeah. South Africa would want someone yeah, I do, don't, who's done that to represent. I don't think they'd let him do it. I don't think... I like Because obviously he'd have to wait a good five years before he'd be able to do it again. But I don't think he's going to. I mean, How we've had so it? many people in the past just... who have represented the country and done something so bad, and then the country's like, we don't want to be associated with this person. That's the past, put it behind. And I don't think any one of them would want to have him in there representing. They'd rather be like, yeah, he is South African, but put it in the past, he did that. He is not a representation of our country. Yeah, he's 37 years old now. So I I don't think he's going to. Um, also, he's been out of doing any form of extreme running for the past eleven odd years. So I don't think he's in the. I don't think he's trained up again for it anyway. But yeah, that it, if this was a case. Yeah, I genuinely forgot about it until Jacob just said this would be an episode that you could actually do, and I was like, "That you've got a valid point." Yeah, I completely forgot about it because I remember having, I remember actually sitting down in a geography lesson. Whenever I hear Oscar stories, my brain goes, "Oh, that one geography lesson where you and this other girl were arguing over if he's guilty or not," and I think I said he was guilty because I just went. Why the fuck would you not check where your girlfriend is if you're worried about an intruder to make sure that she's safe at least? Why would you not check? I remember using that argument a lot. And I, you know what, I'm still using the same argument. Because if you think there's an intruder, you'd want to make sure that the person that's sleeping next to you is next to you. To make sure they're they're safe. But that, that's just me. But. Yeah, it's a, it's a very... Uh weird one this but i will say as i was researching evidence it turned out his brother uh was or uh, was charged with culpable homicide um but was later acquitted apparently in 2010 his brother was pinned to the death of a female motorcyclist and he was formally charged with reckless driving and couple homicide but was later acquitted so that's good that uh two people in the family have that in them does well for the family name but yeah i like you said i remember this coming out don't remember too much but i remember being on the news being like olympian shoots wife over uh self-defense or not self-defense whatever the tabloid said at the time and i remember thinking wow okay it's this this famous person who i didn't know much about is now gone down the share yep 
But he's just been released today. Yep. I did not know that. He so has been we released today on parole. Lucky timing then. But yeah, like you said, I completely forgot about this man. Yeah, interesting one. Our first uh, first case from South Africa. But yeah, hope you all also enjoyed this episode. Um, let me know what you think. Yes, the timing was weird. No, it was not planned. I did not have any other case on draft that I could have used. Um, but I think I've done this twice now. I think I did this with um, a school. Sh- I did. Oh, I did. I did it with one of the with one of the school shooting episodes. I we recorded it on the day that he just gotten sentenced. Yeah, I've done this twice now. It's not planned. I swear to God, I've not planned this. I've just got really bad timing with shit, like really bad fucking timing. But we hope everyone had a very good New Year's. Here's to twenty twenty four. Let's see where this podcast evolves. For this yeah, I, I was going to say, should we just have the cliche line of big things coming? Big, no one ever says that. Big things coming. No, is I don't know. We don't know. You know, like we say, we, we don't have any sort of plan out of what cases are going to be done whatever week. So it just gets completely... Uh, we just wing it, in a sense. Not realistically all 100% but we don't know what case is going to be happening one week so we have that sort of wing it style but if you're an avid listener you know that so who knows what we're going to be covering in 2024 exactly and we will see you guys next week with another episode we hope you enjoyed this one let us know what you think about this case do you think that it was do you think he should have been manslaughter or straight up murder like he was convicted for? Just let us know. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week with another episode. Bye. Bye.